The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And the screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the truth. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when it goes down. Got a problem, tell me now. Only thing that's on my mind is who around this town tonight. Hey. Welcome to Carmen Lawson of Sports Talk. Alex Clancy, Demery Lachey in studio, 888-346-9144. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Demery's Twitter is still yet to be named. Follow Kwame at Kwame Lassiter. Got a lot to talk about today. Donald Sterling lost his damn mind again. NBA Finals preview for tonight, Game 3 in Miami. Tips off, I believe, at 9 p.m. Eastern. As well as the Kings winning Game 3 in New York. Tipped the scale with a goal in the first period with one second remaining. Kind of paved the way for the rest of the game. Jonathan Quick shuts out the New York Rangers, and the Kings win 3-0. Take a commanding 3-0 lead. We'll talk about if if it'd be sweeter for the Kings to win at home or if with the way the whole playoffs have gone in the NHL this year, if they should just close it out when they can close it out on the road. 888-346-9144. 888-346-9144. Download the Voice America radio app for your smartphone. Stream seamlessly. Easy to listen on the road. Uh, Kwame's walking in the studio right now. Uh, okay. Um, game three tonight, Miami-San Antonio. We talked a lot yesterday about what San Antonio needs to do to get a win on the road. Miami has not lost a game at home in the playoffs this year. They've won 13 consecutive games following a loss in the playoffs. It's, it seems like an insurmountable task to win on the road in Miami in the, in the playoffs, let alone the finals, right. especially with how good LeBron's been playing and, and how old San Antonio looks, especially towards the end of the game, last game. Uh, Tim Duncan took one shot in the fourth quarter, I believe, missed two free throws late, which proved to be somewhat of a clincher for Miami with how close the game was down the stretch. I'm not sure exactly how this game is going to pan out, and that's why they play the games. San Antonio could come out hot, and I think that they need to get a first-quarter lead in an effort to win this game. They need to instill their dominance on the road, especially with, as we've joked about in the past, how the Miami fans trickle in, and it's not really full until probably the end of the first quarter. So if there's any time to strike... It would be early and often for San Antonio. I think they need to get down low. They need to, they need to push, push the pace. And you know, it seems like they'll have to play Miami's game in an effort to win. It doesn't look like Miami's able to. Uh, Miami's. It doesn't look like Miami really needs to play a certain way. They just need to kind of be flexible throughout the game and take what the defense gives to them, and that's what they did in Game 1 and 2. And without LeBron going out with cramps in Game 1, this might be a 2-0 series right now. Yeah, definitely. Could be arguably a 2-0 series. But I, I believe San Antonio, they just need to finish finish off what they start 
or how the game goes. Because while watching the games, you know, it seems as if San Antonio, they, they had so much control at home. Even in the game two loss, you could tell that they still had control. But at the end of the games, you got your missed free throws. You got your lack of defense, defensive schemes, and your concentration goes away. You could tell, like, they were leaving guys wide open shots at the end of a two-minute segment at the end of a b- basketball game in the finals. Like, you can't allow that. And that's why I think Popovich was very upset about when he was saying in the interviews after the end of the game of how they just can't concentrate and just finish off the heat. I mean, that's the same thing goes back to Game 6 and Game 7, um, last year's finals. They just lost it in the end, the last two, three minutes. And that's when Miami, they start thriving. That's where Miami gets a lot of teams. And they they let teams hang around. And then in the fourth quarter, that last little five-minute, four-minute segment, you know, the Heat just turn up. And they get great shots. They get great looks. LeBron has been playing out of his mind in the last five minutes in fourth quarter games. He takes over. Yeah, he takes over the whole game, period. But the last five minutes, I mean, he's, he's stepping up now better than what he, where he was before with him making free throws, with him making the extra pass and getting guys open. and Like, that's just where Dominique, uh, the Heat just thrive. On. Yeah, I mean, and look to see Greg Popovich kind of manage minutes a little bit differently today. Uh, I think that especially if San Antonio gets an early lead, Look for him to st- to sit Tim Duncan and keep Tiago Splitter in there. I think that Tim Duncan needs to be as fresh as possible for the fourth quarter. Definitely. And you saw in game two that Eric Spolstra sat everybody except for LeBron James midway through the first quarter, which is a little bit earlier than he traditionally would do. There were about seven minutes left in the first quarter. And he pulls D. Wade, he pulls Chris Bosh, and you play four scrubs on LeBron James. And I think that was an effort to keep them fresh for the fourth quarter and for the second half as a whole. So look for Greg Popovich to kind of mimic what Eric Spolstra does with sitting his guys so he can keep his strongest guys on the court when their strongest guys are on the court. I, I think it's kind of, I think it's overlooked a lot of times where you put your best guys up against their best guys instead of playing your best guys against their scrubs and trying to get a lead. Because when the game gets close towards the end, their guys are fresher, and your guys are just keeping keeping the game close instead of pulling away when you're fresh later on. And I think that's really, really important. And Greg Popovich can manage minutes with his team better than anybody in, in history, in my opinion. I mean, especially in the last 20 years, because that's what's kept them relevant through the Tim Duncan era. You have guys that have been injured. You have guys that... You know, injuries played a huge part in the San Antonio Spurs franchise, but they've always overcome it because of man- of uh, of time management, minute management, and I guess you could say the same for Eric Spolstra with D Wade sitting him out. But you have that luxury of having LeBron James on your team, so you can play him forty plus minutes. You can ride him into the sunset. Right. He's played more minutes than anybody. He plays over forty minutes a game. So at some point, San Antonio is going to need to figure out a way to manage the minutes positively to keep them in this game later on without having all their guys being tired. Well, yeah, because, I mean, the tiredness shows with the missed free throws, concentration, uh, the lack, the lacking ends on the defensive end. And I, necess- I understand where Popovich um, wants to play Duncan against the second tier of the Miami Heat uh, second tier roster. Their bench. Uh, I mean, they're trying to jump out to a bigger lead as they can. So therefore, 
his strategy, you can kind of tell that he's trying to tire down LeBron. LeBron's going to try to pick up his game. Ain't going to happen. Yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> but what's your odds on take on going against that? I mean, I understand where Popovich is coming from, but at the same time, you got to make LeBron James work on the defensive end because he's sag- he's he's guarding Tony Parker, and then once Parker comes out the game, I mean, LeBron's just freelancing. You mm-hmm. don't know who he, – he doesn't stick to just one guy. He's just freelancing, get – get a lot of breath on defense and nobody's working him. Nobody's trying to get him in foul trouble. Get him in early foul trouble and the whole ball game changes. So do you think that they should run Tony Parker off picks? Not necessarily for jump shots because that's not the kind of player he is, but do you take a Reggie Miller-Ray Allen mentality if LeBron James is guarding him in an effort to, I mean, in an effort to tire him out? Because Tony Parker is the fastest player on the court at any given time. So... He, running him off picks, and they're great pick setters in San Antonio. They're great fundamentalists, not not the uh, not the religious thing, but the, they have great fundamentals. And I think that if they do it, and, and to your point, if they run him around like a shooting guard, maybe it'll tire him out a little more, a bit more, and it'll force their expulsor's hand to switch LeBron James off of him. And it definitely will, because you can trust Manu Ginobili bringing the ball up the court, running the offense. And having Tony Parker just run off picks as soon as he get the ball, I mean, you could set a, a, a whole nother pick and roll what he's used to. So that gets LeBron James working. Even if they start switching, LeBron has to see who's switching off the pick, who I have to pick up. Make that man work. I mean, he's he, yeah, he's definitely a specimen, but at the same time, he's still human. Yeah, absolutely. So and, I mean, make him work. And you got to think that Matt Bonner and Corey Joseph will get a lot more run in the in on the road because Matt Bonner can yeah. can stretch a defense. He was such a big focal point in last year's playoffs. He had so many threes, and when he's open, he knocks down his threes. He's cultivated his game to keep himself in the league just by becoming a three point shooter. He did it in Florida a little bit. He's very herky jerky, but. He can knock down the open three, and with all of the stars on the San Antonio the team, he's going to get open looks. Yeah. And Corey Joseph is great off the bench. He's very sure-handed with the ball. And as a backup point guard, Patty Mills is not a backup point guard. You, you know, so? uh, No, he's not. He, he's undersized. Let him do what he does. He jacks it. Let him, let him dribble off. He needs to be able to only focus on scoring. And Corey Joseph, I think he came out of Texas. He showed flashes last year in the playoffs also. He's yeah. another Popovich guy that they got in the second round that people saw glimpses of him in college, but he was never on a championship team and everything like that. So I do believe that Corey Joseph and Matt Bonner will play more integral role in these next two games in Miami in an effort to stretch the defense and give Miami different looks that San Antonio hasn't given them yet. They need to go into the bag of tricks here to pull out one win in Miami at all costs. I'm going to go back on what you said about Pat, Patty Mills. Patty Mills, he's, he's a great point guard. I think I still think he's a great point guard. The reason why? Because he makes the offensive, he makes the offensive unit go. He spreads the ball out. He doesn't just dribble around pick and rolls. He he gets that offense with ball movement, and that's where you can kill Miami as a team concept. But the thing is, do you take minutes away from Tony Parker? I mean, is Tony Parker kind of overrated in the sense of this finals setup? I mean, is he? Do you need to take minutes away, put in more Corey Joseph time? Well, he's more? won three, so he he definitely knows how to play in the I finals. Mean, he does know how to play, but he didn't win three against LeBron James in the Miami Heat. So therefore. He's putting them in bad situations so many times. Maybe you can take minutes away from Tony Parker and save him, you know, to the fourth quarter, to their crunch time, because he's a great, you know, he's a great fourth quarter player. 
He's a great point guard. But breaking down defenses is what Tony Parker does. And if, say we go back to what we were talking about, about him f- playing the two-guard position, uh-huh. just just in setups and just running him off picks, he can easily get to the lane that way too and dish. That's that's how he's made his money, is having every every move in the book, in the key, when there's four guys around him. He's undersized. He's tiny. Yeah, You know, he's not a big guy. And then you have him in the key. This is all focused upon tiring LeBron James down, which could be a double-edged sword because you're trying to you're trying to win. You're not yeah. trying to tire one game tire one guy out. No, definitely because not. that's that's not a recipe for success. And San Antonio knows that, and they'll find the perfect elixir to make that happen. They'll find the perfect way to put all of these things together and try to win Game Three. And in my opinion, the winner of this series will win Game Three. And I, I truly believe that. So the winner tonight is going to win the series. Yes. And, and I mean that because all of the energy from either team, so say San Antonio wins, all of the energy in their beings for Miami to win game four will exhaust them for the rest of the series. Not LeBron, but everybody else. Emotionally, you need to win game four if you want to win a championship, and it's so hard to win a championship in any sport, at any level. It's so difficult. So I think exhausting all of your energy just to stay in the series and not go down 3-1 will pose a huge emotional and physical issue for the team that doesn't win tonight. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I truly believe that. And I, mean, I think... I, I, I understand what you're saying with, uh, with tonight's game. It can put an emotional attachment on, like, you know, at the whoever wins or loses this game. It's a big, it's a big time game. It's game three. It's, it's, it's a chance for San Antonio to get that home court advantage back on their side. At at the end of the day, they, they're they trying to make it go seven games. Um, at the end of the day, you want to get Miami in seven to get them back in San Antonio. So, yeah, it is a big game for them to win. I mean, game four, I don't – you're right. Like, I agree with you. It doesn't matter as much as a game three does because you're, you're in the environment. You got to go get at least that one. And Especially the first for one, San Antonio. And, exactly. San Antonio goes into Miami, punches them in the mouth, Miami is going to take a step back and be like, okay, now we need to make some adjustments because they they came back with it. They punched us in the mouth right at home. That, that's a big statement. So, yeah, I agree that game three is a big-time game. And if Miami loses this game, I mean, I'll mess around. I'll, 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 I'll make a Twitter account tonight if Good. they lose this game. Good. You're supposed to be like, um, <laughs> They didn't lose. So we'll see in any team that get the – of all teams, the team that can do it is a team wearing the away jersey tonight. 888-346-9144, Kwame Lasseter, sportstalkvoiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You are going global with gas. Man. Is that Matt the intern? That's here. I look, I made this show. Dude, you totally made it, man. You were doing the Big Brother tryout today. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead, Matt. All right, let's come on. Let's play drug code. Where'd you learn that, Cheech? Drug school. 
Are we going to play porn and music or not? This program contains sexually explicit dialogue. Discretion is advised. Live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the VoiceAmerica.com Variety Channel. Going global with gas. Man. How the hell do they know that I got gas? Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Welcome back to the Formula Sports Talk. It is the second segment. Uh, as you, I'm in the studio now. Uh, I was here, but I didn't need to be on the first segment. Uh, you guys talking about the finals or the NBA finals, the or the hockey finals? What do you think? Hockey finals. <laughs> no. Hockey. But did you watch the hockey finals? You, <laughs> yeah, watched them, yeah. you watched them guys take a 3-0 lead, and you just realized that the Kings are, as, as we mentioned uh, on Monday, that they're, they're just too big for these guys, more powerful guys. I didn't think they can come out and take that 3-0 lead right away. Uh, I, don't, I don't see any. I hope it's not a defeated uh, Rangers that, you know, they say, well, okay, well, they got us in this one. But if you're watching the game and you watch how the L.A. Kings got to where they are, and both in two series prior to this one, they were down 3-0. Uh, and they managed to come back and win in the seven games twice, which I don't think has ever been done, went in the four, four straight games in both series. And now they're sitting 3-0 right now with one game to play. The Rangers done? I, I mean, it, it seems that way. But in the playoffs this, this year, it, nothing is. I mean, now San Jose that. Now San Jose, if the Kings were done, when they were down 3-0 in the first round. So, I mean, it's, this has been the craziest NHL and NBA playoffs combined that I've seen probably in my lifetime. I, I, I want to say that can only happen in hockey, but it's probably... It, it it's only probably, has happened... Yeah, oh, no, no, no. It happened hockey. once in baseball with the Red Sox. With the uh, 4-0 league, 3-0 league? Yeah, with the Red <clears> Sox back. and the Yankees. Yeah, uh, that's incredible that these guys... Just the will to want to win and come back from a deficit and not giving up. But then you have a lot, a lot of lucky situations that go your way, and then you find yourself... Back in the series, going home, um, down only down one, but now here in this final, the Stanley Cup right now, the Kings got three games to win one, so it, it's pretty much unless the Rangers, Rangers, unless they pull it together and and, and pull a King situation, Stanley Cup is going back to L.A. Yeah, it seems like big and strong beats fast with a good goalie. Yeah, but I mean, I, and that's what it's looked like thus far. But I think big and strong uh, wears down the fast guys in the end. Uh, you, if you can't put up enough points, if you can't get enough shots in or enough points in uh, by the probably third period, if it's close, I think the big teams win. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that this team is the team of destiny. And you could see the L.A. Kings are the team of destiny. They were down, they were down two goals three times in game, in game two, as Kevin uh, told me earlier. They were, they were down two goals three separate times and then, it, and then last night they score a goal with one second left to go up one nothing, and that that was just that probably deflated the hell out of uh, out of the Rangers. I mean, how could it not? It did. I was watching the game, I, and when I saw a two zero, then they went three zero. I'm like, 
How's this team, this Gee, Stanley I, Cup team? Yeah, it's done. It's yeah. done. You're not coming back from that. I turned it off after it went uh, 2-0. I mean, it, it, you can tell by just the wear and tear um, that the Rangers are, like, receiving. Um, their speed is just lacking. They, I mean, they couldn't even get great goal shots. And it was some great saves, you know, on Quick's end, um, the Kings goalie. Last night it was it was some great saves on his end, great individual performance. Right, but at the same time, um, I think the Rangers, I think they're done. They're just so tired. They it's too physical out there. The Kings are dominating this series. They're dominating on the ice. There was one save by the Kings, and I was just looking for a scuffle off of that because it, it was it was a physical one too. Oh, yeah. it ran into the goalie. Yeah, I was looking for that scuffle. Uh, let's go to this. Uh, Fisher has now become the head coach of the New York Knicks. Um, we talked about this prior shows um, at the Kwame Lott Sports Talk, but I, I think it's a great fit. I know this is the second man because he wanted Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr opts to go to the uh, Golden State Warriors for a lot of reasons, one being the years and the money that comes with it. Derek Fisher gets the same deal that was <laughs> on the table of five years, $25 million, uh, whereas uh, Steve Kerr got in Golden State, I think it's a four-year Oh, five year, thirty million. Same exact. Oh, deal. Same exact. Same, same exact, exact deal. Yeah. Deal. So, but it's four. Oh, still five years. Same deal, right? But yeah, th- so it came down to, in my opinion, that he wanted to be in California. It came down to my opinion again, whereas when he was the GM and sent for the uh, Phoenix Suns, and he was working in San Diego, that he wanted to be in California, and now he has a lot of more reasons to. Be, he has extra reasons to be in California because I think his daughter plays volleyball at Cal Berkeley. Um, so, uh, we all have our reason, but when you talk about guys who haven't been head coach, Steve's never been a head coach, Derek Fisher's never been head coach, Jason Kidd never been a head coach up till last year, and he did great, but you have to have some great players. And Derek Fisher, in his sense, is Carmelo coming back. Maybe they have an inside scoop or, or reason to take that job. Maybe you don't want to sit as an assistant, and you probably be sitting for a while like a lot of the other guys do. He was always a coach on the basketball court while playing. So when you have a when you have a guy who's head of basketball operations and you know a guy, Derek Fisher, that very well, you know he fits into the role. But you have to understand that Phil Jackson's going to have hands-on, especially getting that triangle offense, especially getting the right players in there who can run it. All you need is one or two superstars in that triangle, and it works, but you have to play defense. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that Derek Fisher got the five-year, because the whole thing about Steve Kerr, they offered him four-year, 20 mil. Uh, Dolan wouldn't give him any more, so then he went to Golden State, and Phil Jackson got, got upset because he thought that he was running everything. He was given the keys to the castle as the, as the president of basketball operations, and Dolan took that away from him. And now Derek Fisher gets that extra year because Phil Jackson's like, hey, I'm walking. I mean, I, I couldn't. I could see him saying, "You promised me one thing. You paid me for this. Why'd you take it away from me?" Right. So he gave him that extra year, and Derek Fisher is going to be great. And to our point, we talked about this last week, and we got a little heated about it. That I think is people should be sitting on the bench before before head coaching, being assistant coach first. And then I looked at Derek Fisher the last two years in Oklahoma City. That's what he was. He was an assistant coach. He happened to have a jersey on. He happened to play basketball. He played 12, 14 minutes a game average probably. But he was an assistant coach. You saw him getting in Russell Westbrook's face. You saw him doing these things that coaches would do. And I think that 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 tuned him a little bit to be a head coach. He's the fourth head coach to come right off the court. Uh, Paul Silas was first in the 80s. Then Mike Dunleavy, I didn't know about that. Mike Dunleavy coached the Lakers after walking off the court. And then Jason Kidd and... uh, 
Well, and Steve Kerr and Derek Fisher. So that's four and five. I think there was a lot of player coaches that um, – uh, back in the day that was doing well, that but I don't know what's statistically wise I don't know how they was doing it since 1996 this is what I feel about him being one of the going right into head coaching since 1996 when he came to the league he was sitting on the bench to be a head coach if that's your aspiration you are learning on the job uh, and then you find out those guys guys like uh, Derek Fisher you, you I think he and Kobe might have came in at the same time same uh, year same year 96 uh, but you look at Derek Fisher and you say, well, he would be a better coach because, uh, you know, Kobe, just the superstar Kobe is. I don't know what his ego, and he has to have an ego that he can get across to those players because he feel like if you play this position, you play this game, you should be doing what I was able to do, at least close to it. Derek Fisher put the, he seemed like he'll manage a team and put everyone in the right situation, right place where they can be successful as a team. And then I think the triangle offense will allow him to do that if he has a Carmelo Anthony. Would he demand respect if Phil Jackson wasn't there? He has to. No, but what if Phil Jackson wasn't there, would he get the know, respect from his players? I don't or even is know it, if he'd take the job. Okay, that's fair. No, I, I mean, because New York, New York again, is a big media market. This is you have to win. They haven't won since the 60s. Everybody expects them to win. I don't know if he takes that job, but I do know that um, uh, he is. Uh, he will probably end up being one of the better head coaches. But if you sit around and wait, come off the uh, basketball court as a player, and you sit around and wait, you'll be waiting for a while like a lot of those other guys are doing. Now you got a guy who's going to mentor you in the field, Jackson, and he's going he's gonna to show you the ropes as far as the head coach and how's the managerial. There's a lot of things you got to do as a head coach. You're not just out there coaching. you got to manage these guys and put them in the right situation. you got to have lineup changes. And then you have a Phil Jackson who's done that for most of his career. Mm-hmm. So I think he went into the right – Derek Fisher went into the right situation – because if Phil Jackson out there, it would be very difficult for him as a head coach. Yeah, and I agree. Because if you take a step back and just look at this whole situation, I mean, the Knicks, they got to restart. And it starts at the top with Phil Jackson, with the head coaching, with the coaching staff. And then it goes down to your superstars, to your bringing in the talent that you need to win with. If You you know, you, you can trust a Phil Jackson, a Derek Fisher. I mean, they've been together. they won multiple championships. So therefore, if you take it, you know, just take a step back, look at the whole situation. That's a that's a pretty good situation where New York is heading. And if I'm a player like a Kevin Love or a Carmelo, I can sit back and listen to these two. I, I would consider, you know, why not going back to the mecca? Why not understanding where New York Knicks is heading? Because this this is a big time. I mean, no, he has no experience as a coach, but at the end of the day, he's now working with Phil Jackson. It's no more. I'm working really under. We're working together. We're, and Carmelo. We're Carmelo will have no reason to have an ego in this situation where, where he can get $30 million playing for the Knicks. But in Carl, to Carmelo's defense, if, if, if I can come to that, you got to put players around him. That's why LeBron left Cleveland. Put players around this guy and feel like we're trying to win just because well, you can see they're trying to win. you got a championship uh, personnel development guy in Phil Jackson who's probably going to be head coach and Dirk Fisher is going to be assistant head coach for probably a year or two. Dirk Fisher, a guy who's been in championships, who's won them, who's been in big games, knocked down big shots. I don't think he's going to have that. Dirk Fisher's going to have that ego where he's not going to be able to get on his stars or he's not going to try to coach Carmelo through another guy. He's going to get in Carmelo's face and say, I need you to do this. You're the superstar of this team. You no. need to do this. But you're not just going to be an offensive guy. You're going to have to play some defense because Dirk Fisher's a defensive not player. Not only that, and you still have – Lamar Odom on the bench, who won championships under Phil Jackson with Derek Fisher. You still have Meta World Peace. So the pieces are there. They, they're going to bring in guys with, you know, they don't have the big salary cap like they 
what have because they wasted on the Tyson Chandler and Amari Stoudemire's contracts about to expire. I think Lamar would be rejuvenated over in New York. Well, Definitely. and Definitely. and I mean, lest we forget, their their playoff push towards the end of the year last year was with Amari Stoudemire healthy. So if Amari, St- if Amari Stoudemire can resurrect his career with the triangle offense, he can hit that 15-footer from the elbow. That, that's the first pass in the triangle offense. Pass the elbow, back to the basket, either hand it off to a guard or turn and face up. That's the first thing. And if he can hit that 15-footer, I he can he, resurrect uh, his whole career. He doesn't have to play defense. I think he played well at the end of the year. He uh, did. I, I, that's exactly resur- what I... As far as the resurrection, I think he played well. And, and you mentioned, Alex, that he was hurt a lot. Um... I, when I still when I think of Amari, I still think, well, how did you Phoenix let him go? And I know it's a money situation, but there's a micro fracture surgery say, yeah. situation too. Well, I don't think that surgery should ever be done to an athlete. And he's done it twice. Yeah, exactly. I don't think that should ever be done. But this guy uh, goes in New York. He's hurt, and then when he's healthy, he plays well. Then you got uh, Chandler over there. They have every, I, to me. I thought they had everything they need. Plus, what benefits Derek Fisher is they playing in the East. Mm-hmm. The East has gotten stronger in the playoffs this year. But when we look at the East. You you see a lot of uh, the West teams here, like the Phoenix Suns, would have been third place uh, in the playoffs, playing some good competition and had a chance to do some things as the series went on. Uh, but the New York Knicks have everything they need, and Derek Fisher, in my opinion, has come into the right situation. Now, what are they going to do with Carmelo? That remains to be seen. We're going to take a quick break. I guess we're going to say, uh, uh, Demaru Shea. You know, really welcome to Voice America. You started uh, the intern yesterday, right? Yeah, t- yesterday was my first day. That's good stuff. Uh, do a good job. It might be something else for like an appetizer or something for you. Uh, that's, that's <laughs> appetizer. <laughs> what? No, that's good stuff, man. You're seriously, you. Uh, you, you know, taking the right directions to you know do what you want to do. Hey, we will take a quick break. Alex Clancy, Demarie Lachey, Kwame Last Sports. We'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you? It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you ready for a show that's all about what goes on behind the scenes and how it relates to what you see on the field? Tune in for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on the Voice America Sports Channel. Our guests will bring you the stories, the opinions, the expertise, and the inspiration behind what you hear in sports news. Find out what happens next. Listen for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. 
Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Now some of you might still be in that place. If you're trying to get out, just follow me. I'll get you. You can try and read my lyrics. Hey, welcome back to the Quam Life Sports Talk. We are in our third segment. One more after this. Uh, show moves fast. We talk about a lot. We, we get hard and fast in it. You know that Eminem song. I still like it. But you know what? Deborah, that used to be Deborah's song. Uh, she, what well, she liked it. It's strange that I haven't heard from Deborah. She could at least called me and told me, uh, oh, well, I'm going to call in or I won't call in. Hey, when you're gone, you're gone. Donald Sterling reverses course. Will sue the NBA for $1 billion after all. That is the headline. <laughs> Was this guy out of his mind? I think Donald, I think Donald Sterling just likes to fight. Um, when you got... When you got an organization that you bought for twelve point five or whatever you have a business or a product, twelve point five million dollars, maybe let's go fifteen million for the safe sake of the argument. You turn it into a five hundred million dollar business, um, and I think every NBA NBA team, in my opinion, with merchandise included and all the um, TV money and things of that sort, is probably at a billion, close to it. At a billion, you you talk idiotic. You get yourself in a situation where you really can't explain. You make an excuse that you had someone record you for the purpose of you losing your mind. Well, if you're a billionaire and you've been about your business for such a long time, you just don't get some random person. You make that a business part of what you're trying to do. You let someone professionally follow you. That way, if that stuff leaks out, now you know who to sue. Donald Sterling went on a range, a rant about a lot of racial comments and propaganda actions and how he feel. Well, we talk about billionaires. I just had a conversation with Ryan Treasure. Uh, well, I walked into one, Ryan and all those guys in the uh, engineer room. It was interesting. Should have videoed that. Made a clip on YouTube and say, watch this show. Uh, there's more to come on the Kwamala Sports Talk. We got to start doing that. Demery is supposed to be somewhat good at that, but we'll see. Um... <laughs> But Donald Sterling was offered another billion, so it would have been a two, he would have made two billion dollars on the on a business that he bought for twelve point five or maybe fifteen million. And now, at one minute he's suing or he's backing out selling, and now he's back to suing the NBA. Silver said, "Well, he will only be suing himself, and probably and probably so. He still haven't paid the two million dollars in fine for his his." Uh, what he did for the lead brand that you that's the maximum fine that you can get 85 years old i think he ha- he loves to fight he's a lawyer he's in and out of used to be in and out of course uh the fine was actually 2.5 million this guy just wants to fight he got a team of lawyers now probably a new team because i guess the other one said we you just dragging us in the dirt to be dragging in the dirt we're going to withdraw from this case so he must have a new team of lawyers and now he's fighting again. I don't know what this was, what it's about. I thought his wife was going to sell the team. I, f- I figured if the league gave it to her, then the team would be sold and it would be all done. I say let him keep his team. He's going to lose money. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's about the money at this point. I, I understand your point. Uh, 
on his side, if we can maybe understand where he's coming from, first of all, he thought that the lifetime ban and the $2.5 million would be rescinded if he were to sell his team. And the NBA came out and said, that's ridiculous. We never said that. That's all fabrication, which is probably true. If Donald Sterling doesn't want to sell his team today, I mean, tomorrow he probably will, and then, and then the day after he won't, it doesn't have to do with money. It has to do with pride. And it has to do with him being forced to sell his team on pretenses that are illegal in the state of California, which is uh, re- recording him and using it, recording him in a private setting, which, quote-unquote, he didn't know about or he did know about. Whatever personality he wants to use that day is what the answer comes out as. But he's, he's, not, he's being forced to sell his team against his will, which is against the rights of an owner in the NBA, and that's written down. So his stance may hold up in court, and if it doesn't hold up in court this year, it'll hold up in court next year, and we'll really see the trickle-down effect of how this will affect the rest of the NBA. Because a lot of players, again, we've talked to this ad nauseum, when push comes to shove, if players want a paycheck, they're going to play. And it's going to determine the fact of how much Donald Sterling really matters to all of these players or if people will just choose to not think about it and just play. And this, this is unprecedented, so we don't know how players are going to react. He's not going to... Well, well, if when it, push it, comes to shove, I mean. Yeah, when, when, when the next year when they put it in, uh, in an amendment, I don't think it's going to affect him because he's going to be under the old law or the old rules. Um, but he is tainting the brand of NBA, and I don't know the fine print of that. So if it's not... Uh, written down as of as of right now, there will be next year, and then he he would probably be um, he won't be held under that old law. So, as far as the players play, I don't paycheck has nothing to do with uh, these guys wanting to play for an idiot like that. If he still owns the team, I don't. I just I would. I would love to see the outcome to that, but I don't think anybody will play for oh, him. Oh, I'm talking about the other, I'm talking about everybody else. Sorry, I should have clarified. I'm talking about the LeBron Jameses and everybody that's come out and said we're walking if if he's an owner. But yeah, if he's it'll an be owner, interesting to see what happens. You saying if they're walking, and I'll see that it's kind of it's kind of tough because you got guys like LeBron who makes a certain amount of money where mm-hmm. they can walk, yep. and you saying these guys who just coming to the league. These guys just coming to the league. It was the same thing in eighty in eighty seven, I think, was the strike in the NFL. So there were guys just coming to the league there, but they they knew what they were fighting for, or holding out for, because the owners were still making tons of money, so they was able to hold out. You had some guys that crossed the line that were scabs because they needed a paycheck. But you look at the paychecks then and what they're making now. Yeah, outnormous numbers, outrageous yeah. numbers. Uh, I don't think any guy's just going to cross over to be crossing over because he want to play basketball. Do you know they can make just as much money overseas? Yeah, but it's... If these guys wanted to live overseas, it, they, it would compete with the NBA, and that's why the NBA try to play all over the world. These players that have come into the league, say they're, say they're a second- or third-year player, okay? Say Michael Carter-Williams is a perfect example because he's been smart with his money, supposedly, with all the things he's putting it into trust for himself until the end of his rookie contract. His... Dream, I would assume, since he was a little kid, was to play in the NBA. Not for the idiots, though. He's not playing for an idiot. No, he playing in the idiot league. Well, why have the league? Now I hear what you're saying, but why have the league? Donald Sterling can't be holding up the league. He's holding the league hostage. I think uh, Silver, Adam Silver, could really handle this right away. Now, if you want to go to court, there's certain things he can't do outside of the NBA. Right. With the uh, with he the can loss. sue the NBA. Right. Donald Sterling is well within right. his rights to. Yeah, Adam Silver. You know. He, Illegally, you can't force the sales for the Clippers. That was that. That's Donald Sterling's team. Illegally, you can't do that. Uh, but you could have. There is something down. Uh, I don't know the fine prints of it. You can't 
disgrace the the brand of the NBA or the NFL or Major League Baseball. That that's across the board. But when you're talking about these owners and I, I don't even we haven't even talked we talked about the owners for weeks. The owners haven't even voted yet. So well, I, because the, because the they, it, there was already the sell, so they didn't have to vote. So now they're going to have to vote. They're going to have to vote this guy out. So now it's going to be a this probably this process probably going to he go on until he dies. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, he yeah. go on for ten years. Yeah. He, he's probably going to live till he's one hundred and fifteen. No, way. bastards no, always no. live that long. No. <laughs> <laughs> he he lived next year. He'd be great. Uh, but, but all the stuff that from the start to finish that took place, and then there's there's t- David Stern had information on this guy how terrible a guy he was, and I and I go back to why uh, Adam Silver. Laid the hammer on him because you got to respect. One of the things you say with Dirk Fisher, where he command respect right away. Well, you have to. You are now a coach. You you got friends in the league because you fresh out of the league. You got guys you played against as of last year. You gonna have to command some respect and separate yourself. You don't have to be a, a Neanderthal to do it. It's a professional level. We got to understand who we are and what our goals are. Donald uh, Donald Sterling uh, and Adam Silver. I'm, I'm sorry. He had to do those things, so David Stern, in my opinion, had information on this guy that you can give to the next guy to put their hammer on him so everyone around the league say he's serious with his, with his uh, decision he's made. But at the same time, Donald Stern gave him plenty of information to do so with the, by the way he was. So with him suing the NBA, so with Donald Sterling suing the NBA, who is he truly suing? Is he suing all the owners? He's suing himself. The yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, you know, is he going to end up suing himself plus all the other owners? Because they... They have they're they're over um, Adam Silverman, so is it not necessarily he is he suing like the brand of the NBA or is he? I, I have no idea like, who's he suing. The NBA, the owners, the commissioner. <laughs> well, uh, Adam, well, Adam so Silver initially was the one that put the ban on. Correct. Okay, so yeah. then so he obviously had some people email him, tell him in person, "Hey, I'll back you on this." He wouldn't do it. If everybody was a racist, there was an owner because he knew he would get outvoted. Right. So he has he had very very. Uh, pertinent information that showed how much support he had with the rest of the owners because obviously he wouldn't do it otherwise. So him suing the NBA is suing the face of the NBA technically, which is Adam Silver. Mm -hmm. He's suing all the powers that be, including the owners. And this is just going to go towards, it's a defamation lawsuit pretty much. He's just like, he doesn't, he's like, my name has been tarnished because of things that were videotaped in my private home that somebody sold to TMZ, and then all of this, all these forthcomings have happened afterwards. Which is totally within his rights. He thinks about the cause and effects. One thing shouldn't have to to do with the other. This was in my home when this happened. The NBA shouldn't get involved with it. But again, he's an owner of the NBA. He's a public figure. If he wasn't a public figure, nobody would have heard about this. Would have just been another racist. Oh, that's what it came out. And, yeah, and speaking of that, there's the, there are some other owners they just haven't went to see now yet and have said anything crazy. You go to these billionaire parties, not that I've been to one, but you go to these billionaire <laughs> parties and, uh, man, this whole conversation would amaze you. And, and they would make you, they would amaze you if you didn't have any money, you go to a party with a group of your, your buddies, your friends, you're like, ah, yeah, you talk like this and mm-hmm. you, or you believe this. It, it's what it is on all levels. It just happened, as, as you mentioned. He's a public figure, and he's 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 an escape he's a scapegoat, in my opinion. Um, he's already who he is. He's been that way for a while. Eighty five years old. He's not coming out of his ways. He wasn't. This was taught to him. This is you didn't wake up being this guy. This was taught to you. You're around other people like you. And if you remember, don't forget that he said, "My friends in in this league, my other friends in this league, 
I don't need them calling me saying you sitting with a black guy or taking pictures with an African-American or whatever he's I'm, – I'm paraphrasing, but some of those guys in the league are his guys, and they talk the same thing. So why would you send a message? Man, she's taking a picture, messing up your who you are, and maybe your wife will see this. His wife already knew. Um, but this guy, he is who he is. He didn't wake up, and all of a sudden he became a racial uh, idiot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I wonder if, I wonder if this, him suing the NBA has to do with his wife not getting any money from the sale. Because, I mean, he has so much money to begin with, and his wife obviously will get half of that if they get divorced or if she's still estranged or whatever it she is. She said they've been trying to get divorced for 20 and years. And he, he will take it to court so he doesn't have to pay her a dime. He'll pay $10 million now to save him $600 million later. And <laughs> she's going right. to get that money. Well, I mean, may, well, he know, again, you've said this. We've all said this. and not, He knows his way around a courtroom, and he's respected in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. So the thing with Shelly Stilling going to get one, a billion out of the two billion that he would get from this team, he'd rather spend ten, twenty million now to keep that from happening. That's that's an idea as to why he would sue the team, sue the NBA, and and not approve the sale of the team, which is technically out of his control until the until the owners vote. Eight 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 three four six nine one four four. Let's take a quick break. We come back. We'll talk about some uh, NBA basketball. Is the game tonight? Yes, tonight. Kwamla Sports Talk. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Stop it. Don't, don't encourage sports, him. Sports, sports, this is the worst. 888-346-9144. <laughs> That's the number on your dial. If you want to call in, join the show. Hey, we talking about Donald Sterling, NBA basketball. We got the game tonight. Uh, the series is tied 1-1. The Miami Heat was able to go into AT&T. Oh, no, not AT&T. Was it AT&T in San Antonio? It's always the Alamo to me. You got the Alamo Dome. They were, able to, they were able to go into San Antonio and get a win. How about that? Yeah. Um, all three sports guys don't know the arena they play in. Um, <laughs> it changes every year for all these, no, for all these damn schools. Um, they were, Miami Heat pulled it off. They got one out of there. Uh, in that situation, Let me before we get into the, uh, the game itself or the upcoming game tonight, Dwayne Wade has been fined for flopping. I, th- I think you can find Dwayne Wade. You can find LeBron James. LeBron James has no business flopping. Uh, as big as he is, 6'7", 250 pounds, and he finds a way to flop on a little guard. Let's say his own teammate Norris 
one runs into him, <laughs> he'll flop because he won't know who it is. Uh, I thought of somebody that shot him off, a sniper had got him off the, the roof one game when um, the guy touched his face. He went berserk. But the Wayne Way has been fine flopping uh, for flopping against uh, Manu Ginobili, Ginobili, another flopper. Um, who, who else in this game is a, gr- a great flopper? Uh, Tiago Splitter is a good one. Uh, but Why? Yeah, well, Splitter's not it. He's a flopper. Yeah, LeBron, he's a flopper. LeBron flopper. James took a charge in that game. That wasn't flopping. No, he I positioned said, himself. And that was the one. That was the only time where he possibly flopped in this game. LeBron James. Okay, you talking about this game? I'm talking about LeBron James as a flopper. Period. Because uh, in Indiana, well, it's part of the game now. It's not part of the game. You get fined for it. It's not part Dwayne of the game. Dwayne Wade, that put Manu Ginobili on the bench for the rest of the half. That was a huge call. And he got fined for it, which I don't that agree. That he finds in his pocket. But then I agree. No, shit. You get fined, you get fined. <laughs> I, don't, I don't agree with putting uh, Manu on the bench for that flop, and then LeBron, Dwayne gets fined, which it benefits the Miami Heat because Dwayne stays in the game, Manu's gone, one of their key part, parts of the, um, uh, what the Spurs do. And then he gets fined, gets a little, I don't know how much the fine was. I probably could find out. Um, 5K. Five, no, was it? For the, one for the first one. Uh-huh. It's first five for the first one, I think. And then a suspension for the third one. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a night out in Miami. Yeah. That's that's, that's one that's, bottle yeah. in a bottle service. Mm, mm, of that sky. That. You get that little baby sky for 5K in Miami. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> you get the sky lounge. Do you think they should make it like an offensive foul or a technical foul? They have to do it in-game. I think it's sh- like it's I like finding somebody after. Okay. You really? For one fine? For one flop? Yeah, you, you find James Harris $100,000 for ch- ch- trying to change the game in football. 75. And then what was the next one? Yeah, it was 100. Uh-huh. The first one. You can't make you can't don't don't teach me a game a certain way and then automatically you want to change it. I understand it's for the safety of the players and for the integrity of the game. I'm for that. But don't find me outrageous numbers so other people can see it and say don't flop or this is going to happen to you. That's what happened to James Harrison. This guy got fined so much money for playing the game, and I've watched plenty of those plays where the running back or the receiver duck because they saw him. They know what kind of monster he is on that football field. Uh, they duck, and all of a sudden they hit their head on his head or that, his shoulder pads. That was, I mean, not to get off topic here, but that was yes, it is. That was a long time coming for him. J- no Yes, way. it was. He, he, was, dirty, he was. He was aggressive. There's a fine you, line in the he, NFL. So, so you – you I'm just saying a there's a time. fine line. There's a fine line in anything. But you saying he's um what does that mean? He's a a dirty player. No, oh, he's been playing dirty because you said it's a long time coming from him, yeah. which means he's been which playing means dirty. This is a bunch of little things that he got fined a little bit for that he could have been fined more for or suspended, and then that one hit was the one that put all the fine in one. Mm, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. Well, look you at Ron Artest. You can't say. Well, or, or, no, I'm saying Ron Artest, the malice in the palace. Now, anytime he <laughs> blows in somebody's ear, proverbially speaking, he gets a fine now because now he's a targeted guy. I'm saying, I'm not. I said you can't do that. I should have said you shouldn't be allowed to do that. You can't build up so fines for me because you didn't find me this time or the next time after that. It's just how it works. I, I know, but it shouldn't. So, do you, you think sh- that you think the flopping fine should be more right away? Yeah, you so may come. You mess up the game, man. You flopping. You flopping, slowing up the game. That you know that guy didn't touch you like so, that. So how do you so how, how do you, you yeah, do that do you, in the middle of a game? How do you? Yeah, because that was obvious. He nah, didn't even touch his face. If you don't, if you don't get it, oh, you talking about LeBron? No, I'm talking about Dwayne Wade. He slapped. Look, Manu Ginobili hit his pinky finger, and Dwayne Wade went down like he got shot in the face. Like he he went faded away like he got an elbow to the head. Mm-hmm. Manu Ginobili. I didn't I mean, think he even touched. Well, look at um. 
You know, you know, they say that wasn't a flagrant with um, Mario Chalmers. Uh, Mario yes, it Chalmers. was. Mario Chalmers kind of wind that thing up. They said it didn't I watched that thing in slow motion. Yeah, that's yeah, not a basketball move. Him. He tried uh, to hook him and he just tried to went, hook him. went too high. Yeah, yeah. And, and I understand the hook. I understand the hook. And he's a foot away from getting around his side. That was that was an elbow to the stomach on one of their best players under in the key. That That's what it was. That was not... Manager Missed Nobly, two free throws, Man, though. Manager Nobly, reaching for the ball, did not touch Dwayne. Right. Did not touch him at all. He didn't even right. touch. He slid by him, if anything. And Dwayne went crazy. So what do you think would be a... If you can't find me doing the game... Accurate... I'll tell you. You can't find me doing the game. You can't get me doing the game... Or, or don't sit me out doing the game. But you, if I watch that film as a commissioner or a committee, you won't play next game. So that's what it should be. Okay, because I mean, because I'm thinking there's there's got to be some sort of severity that's more than five grand, especially with guaranteed contracts. In like mm-hmm. like in football, it's different mm-hmm. because not and not everything's guaranteed. You get your signing bonus, and that's what you get. You're, you get your guaranteed money. In the NBA, Dwayne Wade's making you know twenty million dollars a year. Five grand is nothing. He's so you have to do it, and it's worth the chance to sit Manu It was such a smart play. You have to mold the rules. You have to bend the rules in your favor. Manu Ginobili had two fouls. That was his third foul, and he had to sit. You take one of the most electric guys on the court, off the court, by faking a foul, it's genius. That's a veteran move. He's bending yeah. the rules in that's their favor. Like, so you like have to change NFL. it. Who's a, huh? That's just like in, 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 in the NFL, like a guy on defense trying to make offensive offense linemen jump. Now they got rules. I mean, I understand they fine. got fines for that. Yeah, that's a fine. You can't but at the same anymore. time, it still happens. Uh, you, you get they, fined You got to find a better uh, way of doing it. If you're not disciplined enough to jump, if I can make you jump, I'm already – everything we do defensively from the outside of the um, defensive line is going backwards. If I can't run into the line of scrimmage, I can make you jump, but I can't be at the line of, line of scrimmage to make you jump. I can be in the linebacker's box right. and, exactly. and come up. Just like you, a we talking about some grown men. We're not talking about college guys. You can't be disciplined enough to move. That's on you. Yeah, but we're we're talking about really really smart individuals, right? Exactly. Everybody, everybody in professional sports are very smart. They're always ahead of the rules, which is causing the the rule team to have to catch up. And this flopping rule is a very very a nice sized loophole for these guys to play with because taking a flop, it's not that big of a deal in the game in and of itself. You get fined five grand. Who cares? So they're, they're it, it, so uh, the rule team will, will five, change this. If it's just five, I can see everybody doing it. Five grand is not going to hurt the guy, right. but I can see, it, especially you donated to charity anyway. So five grand is not going to hurt the guy if it helps me win. If it's not, you just lost five grand. Right. So, the, but it can't. It cannot piled up. You cannot keep doing that without being suspended. But this is the first year they have the flopping fines, right? No, they're second year. Uh, it's, it's first or second year. Yeah, they have not, the flopping this is fines. Not the first year. So next year or two years from now. They'll have something a little bit more severe, yeah, and they'll continue to go towards it until it until it alleviates the whole league from flopping. But the whole, it, it'll be guys who don't play the game, who don't know what a flop or taking a charge feels like, and it'll be those guys who are making those decisions. Which we got some of those guys in the NFL. I I know Merton Hanks. He used to. He now on the committee to watch the films, of figuring out who guys get fined. And when I see some guys getting fined, and I know Merton Hanks is in, that kind of bothers me. That you can find this guy for this? Are you watching the same play as a football player, or you trying to ple- please somebody else and that on that committee, or who's over the committee? They're trying to uphold the rules. This is not no upholding no rules. He trying to you not watching the game. He played the game, and I'm and I'm. So you're saying you know, he's a traitor now because he's because he's in the committee room now? You didn't, you didn't hear me say anything about him being a traitor. I'm not saying he's a traitor. I'm saying you cannot see this guy duck his head, James. And I'm talking about James Harrison or a lot of guys for that matter, but. You defensively, we taught we don't we have one we zero in on one part of your body and that's what we're going to hit. 
the offense guy's moving, we coming at you, you see us at the last second, duck your head. That's a fine on defense. That's a flag for, for one. So now it being a flag guess it has to go to a reviewing committee afterwards. Okay. So so, so what's the end these game? Guys, the, these don't guys find the guys? Fine. No, you don't. Yeah, don't find them. So play offense. Don't Who? Everybody in the just just <laughs> go and play offense. Guys that play offense are soft and scary. That's not true. The, the guys that play offense guys are soft that play and scary. offense are very confident. They very, They're very confident. confident. Yes. And what the rules in their play? They confident in the rules. They confident, they confident the rules gonna protect them. No. It's like it's yeah, like they it's do. The game so okay, so, no, so it's play. like this. It's like this. The uh, a guy who know he can't fight, but he with five other guys gonna start a fight because he know they are gonna break it up. No, definitely not. Yes, it is. That's what you all you have enough confidence that you're gonna beat a guy one on one. That you're going to have, have to be a confident you're that you're going to take a hit. You're talking about a receiver. I'm talking about offensive guys, period. Offensive guys are soft. I think O-linemen, O-linemen I can say them, they, they're kind of overrated on the toughness end. I, I, I agree with that. Well, other you than agree with that, you don't agree with the other. Alpha, no, yeah, not a whole offensive. O-linemen is an offensive guy, right? Uh, soft. We can talk about this uh, Thursday if you want to. I mean, we can because I can get on the DB section at any time. Yeah, what you talking we about? We could talk about how soft the DBs is. You offense before. We could talk about how he soft did. the he DBs is. That's, yeah, he said, I know. <laughs> Offensive guys are soft. It got me who, who, who have better hands, not. DBs or receivers? That don't make no sense. That's why you got, play a receiver. No, no. Because you have I got, good hands? I got better hands than some receivers. Absolutely. Overall, receivers got better hands than any DB. Supposed not, not any. any, not any, not <laughs> any, any, and any. Yes, yes. You about to check how many? Oh they man, I haven't seen Demery fired up once yet. They, 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 they thought I was a receiver. How many interceptions I had? <laughs> hey, we got to oh, get out of here. We'll talk to you guys Thursday. Come on, sports talk. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in this week. Join us every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network.